is too important for you not to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you explain to me what I'm supposed to do here? Will you explain to me what it is that you're doing? Because know what most people do? They have an experience, they do what comes natural to them, and the Bible says that there is a way that seems right unto man, but that's the way of death. And I'll be honest with you, I always tell people that I don't get everything right and God knows it, but because I know what God's word says, I have to choose if I'm going to be obedient or I'm going to be rebellious. Though it may have been easier, God didn't program you to be a robotic follower. He's given you the ability to make choices. He's given you guidelines for living the way He desires, but He isn't forcing you to follow them. Today, Pastor Daniel will be reminding you that it's up to you whether you choose to do as the Bible says. You have free will, but you should keep in mind that your actions affect more than just you. So what will you choose today? Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 13 as he begins his message, Good and Bad. So I've heard a story and some variations of the story about a million different times. I think you probably have as well. And the way that they use the story, kind of the outcome always changes. It goes something like this. There's a man and he gets married and he has a a son and everyone says, oh, it's so amazing. What a gift that you have a son. He's like, well, we'll see. And then as time goes on, somebody gives him a horse and, and they're like, oh man, how awesome. What a blessing you have this horse. And he's like, well, we'll see. And then his son is on the horse and the horse kicks him off and he breaks his leg. He's like, oh, what a bummer. Your son broke his leg because of that horse. He's like, well, we'll see. And then the next week they get invaded by an outside country and, and they get all the young men together to go to war. And they said, you know, what a gift that your son broke his leg. And so he doesn't have to go to war right now. And the guy says, we'll see. And you guys ever hear that story? If you've never heard it, now you heard it, so now you know. But what's interesting about the story is that everybody uses that story to try and say, well, you, you don't really know if something's a blessing or not. You don't really know if something's good or not. You only know later. And what's interesting, I've heard that story shared a million different ways with a million different outcomes. But really, what it, it's a good reminder that oftentimes things are going on and you don't really know... Is it good or is it bad until you get to the end and you find out where does this thing actually land? It's kind of like when you get married, you know? Everybody says the wedding vows unless you're so artistic that you write your own. But nobody really thinks about what it means. You know, you say, you know, for in good and in bad, in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, you know? And people say that, but then... You know, at that moment when you're saying those words, everybody expects it to be in good, in health, in wealth. But then when it doesn't work out that way and life happens, everyone kind of gets startled. 
right? And so really what you realize is that life is a mixed bag in that way. It's got good and bad. There's, there's beautiful things and there's really challenging things. Now, when you take this idea that life is kind of a mixed bag, it's got good and bad in it, and then you start to incorporate the fact that, you know, well, we believe in God, then people say, well, I don't understand why God lets so much bad proliferate, right? It's like, if God is really God, then why would he allow all these things to go on? Now, I think that's a great question, and I don't think it's a question that we should be scared of, because that's a real question. And when you look at some of the atrocities that go on, it's common to say, where is God? What is God doing? Why would a good God allow such things to go on? And what happens is, is that oftentimes when that question gets asked, people will almost automatically take that question and run it right into unbelief. Well, if there is a God and this bad stuff happens, then obviously there is no God. Or obviously God is evil or bad, right? But what's amazing is, is that's an emotional response, not a biblical response. And God loves people enough to say, I'm going to give you this word, and this word is supposed to frame how you see all of these things. And what's beautiful, well, actually, it's not beautiful, but it is comforting. I want to make sure I get the right phrase there. We learn in the parables why some bad stuff goes on. Jesus actually explains it to us. And we need to grab hold of the fact that there is good and there is bad and there's reasons why. And so today I'm excited. We're going to be studying what is commonly known as the parable of the wheat and the tares. So open up in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be taking verses 24 to 30 and then verses 36 to 43. So Matthew 13, we'll be picking up verse 24. The first text gives you the parable or the legend or the story. And then the second half gives us Jesus's interpretation of it. Matthew's the very first book in your New Testament, the first of the four gospels. And We'll just jump right on into the text here. It says in verse 24, it says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and he went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. And so the servants of the owners came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into the barn. Now, that's just the story. Now, obviously, when we get to verse 36, Jesus is going to explain the story. But I just want to give you some, a few preliminary remarks. I think it's fascinating that in Matthew 13, Jesus gives us the parable of the seed and the soils, right? The sower and the soils. And now he uses the same picture, but he takes it from a different angle. Do you remember in the first one, the seed is going in and there's these different qualities of the soil which produce different outcomes. Now we made the case that the seed is the word of God and the sower is Jesus and the soils are our hearts. And I asked the question, how's your heart? And there's these four unique characteristics of the heart. 
Now Jesus uses the same idea, but now it's not just about the seed going in the soil. Now it's about the sower goes out and he plants this, and then all of a sudden other things get planted as well and they grow up together. So what do we do with the fact that there might be a field, in this case, that has multiple things growing in it? And how do we deal with it? Now, what we're going to find ultimately is that Jesus is really explaining to us the world in which we live. The day and age in which we're every generation. Why evil happens. And so I think it's going to be quite illuminating to us as we see the way Jesus interprets this. And my goal is not only to give us a view of the world as a whole, but what I would also make the case is because this is true of the world as a whole, this is also true of your life and my life specifically in miniature. That we can apply it not only globally, but to where each one of us lives and the struggles that we find ourselves involved in. So if you go to verse 36... Notice this, and Jesus sent the multitude away, and he went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, and the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. So what's interesting is, remember, Jesus was speaking publicly And the disciples came and said, hey, so why are you speaking to them in these parables? Why are you speaking to them in these stories and these legends? And Jesus said, because it's been given to you, no, no, these secrets, these mysteries of the kingdom. But to others, it hasn't been given, right? And it fulfilled prophecy. We we talked about all this together. So now he tells this parable of the wheat and the tares, and he sends the multitude away. He gets alone with his disciples. And I love this because the disciples come to him and says, "Uh, can you explain to us the parable of the tares? Now listen, before I jump into all the parable, when was the last time you got alone with Jesus and said, Jesus, will you explain to me what's going on here right now? Because you know what the problem is? We believe in Jesus, but too many of us don't go to the word of God into prayer. We just go in our own minds. We go to our friends. Or some of you, your idea of getting advice is going on Facebook, and then you're at the mercy of your peer group. Now, you have to realize that in the Bible, being at the mercy of the wisdom of your peer group always ends up in calamity, right? Now, some of you are like, well, my peer group is amazing. (laughs) I wouldn't trust them as far as you can throw them. Because listen, like attracts like by and large, right? And so what happens is, is you're like, there's an old saying, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Or you can say it this way, that each one of us is the average of the five people closest to us. So the thing is, is that if you're not really the most biblically minded person, I'm pretty sure that the people who are closest to you aren't biblically minded either. So what you end up with is when you look for wisdom from your peer group, oftentimes it's the worst place to be, right? And so I love the fact that you could imagine the disciples after Jesus told this parable being like, so hey, I wonder what that parable means. What do you think it means? And I'm sure that Peter definitely had an interpretation of it because Peter's that kind of guy. He always has an answer, right? But you could imagine the, well, I don't think it means this. I think it means this. And finally they come to Jesus and say, so can you explain to us what it means? And brothers and sisters, listen, your life is too important for you not to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you explain to me what I'm supposed to do here? Will you explain to me what it is that you're doing? Because know what most people do? They have an experience. They do what comes natural to them. And the Bible says that there is a way that seems right unto man, but that's the way of death. And I'll be honest with you. I always tell people that I don't get everything right and God knows it. But because I know what God's word says, I have to choose if I'm going to be obedient or I'm going to be rebellious. I can't pretend I don't know what it says. 
Sometimes I wish I could, but I can't pretend I don't know what it says, right? And if I talk to somebody about it, and if I go outside my immediate peer group to people who I know are, are great mentors, I get a whole other view of the thing. And Jesus is the ultimate person to ask. Don't allow yourself to limit your understanding to just the people you know. Bring it to the Lord, the Almighty One, the Messiah. He who not only is the living word, but who wrote the word of whom this entire book testifies. And ask him, what does it mean? So Jesus answers them. Look what he says. He who sows the good seed, verse 37, is the son of man The field is the world, and the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Now, I'll put it to you this way, that Jesus has planted you in this world. Jesus has planted you in this world. See, the sower is Jesus, and the seed that he planted is you, the sons of the kingdom. Now, when it says sons of the kingdom, it means sons and daughters of the kingdom. Right? So if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you've been born again because you have trusted in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. His death, his resurrection, right? And because of your faith in him, you are now filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus has planted you in this world. And if you notice in the parable, there's the wheat and the wheat is fruitful and the tares are more like weeds which fight for nourishment but have no value to them of the, in and of themselves. Right, So you have this reality that Jesus has planted you in this world. Now, when I think of being planted by Jesus, of course, I think of Psalm 1, where it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. See, God has planted each one of us. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, he has planted you to be fruitful. And he has created all the conditions of your life to be able to aid in the fruitfulness of your life. Now, if you've been studying not only these parables with us in this legend series, but if you've studied the scriptures at all, what you begin to realize, of course, is that fruitfulness, being planted, the idea of being plants, all these things have a deep biblical heritage. There's lots there. But when was the last time you actually thought of yourself that God planted me where I am for such a time as this? See, God as the master gardener, the vine dresser, he's purposeful in what he plants. Now, many of us are not like this. I mean, I'm one of those people, I don't have a green thumb, as they would say. You know what I mean? Unless I have a ring pop that's green and I put it on my thumb. That's a different discussion. If you have little kids, you know what I'm talking about. Because sometimes you got to bling out with the ring pops. Different discussion. But like, I'm, not, I'm like the, not like the best landscape. Now, there's some people who are really good at it. And like, well, I put this thing here because of the amount of shade that it gets and this. And it's the optimal conditions. I'm not that guy. Right? I just put something in and I hope it, it works good. I remember when, when we moved into our house, we had these little beds al- across the driveway. And I got the bright idea because I was in a Home Depot that I could, I'll just plant wildflowers there. Now, it sounds like a beautiful, you know, the pictures is all colorful and everything until 
you know, I put them in the ground. And I was like, wait, well, you know, I'm putting some flowers there. She's like, oh, that's going to be so wonderful until it, they're wild flowers. So Lynn's like, it looks like we have like a weed infestation on the sides of our driveway. And I'm like, yeah, that probably wasn't the smartest move, was it? And she's like, no, no. I'm like, but they will blossom real pretty. And she's like, well, after they blossom, can you pull it all up, please? You know? And she was totally right. And then now we have those little perfect little round hedgy things that, that look so cute. Because my wife's wise and I'm not. You know? But Jesus in planting you is purposeful. It's not happenstance. He's not just like doing things randomly. You're planted by divine design. And when you begin to realize that, now all of a sudden you begin to appropriate the purposes that God has for you. See, what happens oftentimes, and we're going to see how this works with the wheat and the tares, is that what Satan wants to do is he wants to knock you off of understanding who you really are. Right? And so there's many of us right now, and I think it's appropriate for a lot of us, that you think that all that's going on is purposeless. And I'm here to tell you, if you believe that your experience right now is purposeless, it's because you're not trusting the good God who planted you right where you are. The situations that you find yourself in, those are purposeful as well. Now, they're not all pleasurable, but they do have value and purpose impregnated within the experiences if you realize that God has ordained all of this. And I'm here to tell you that God has ordained you. Now, there's some of you here right now, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, God's ordained you too. All that you are, the gifts, the talents, the struggles, the history, the destiny, all of it, God wants you to see as, I want to drive this thing. But here's the thing. If you don't put your faith and trust in Jesus, you will drive it, but you will drive it into destruction. The only difference is, is who's driving? But listen, you and I, we've been planted by Jesus in this world for this, such a time as this. Just like Esther. Do you realize that you are in exactly where God wants you to be right now to do what he wants you to do? So often we're so busy wishing we were somewhere else, doing something else. What I am constantly learning is the Lord is saying, Daniel, there's so much that I want to do in your life and I have to use this to get you there. And so often I just want to be somewhere else. I want to do something else. I want to have another set of circumstances. The Lord's like, Daniel... This is the perfect environment for me to do what I want to do in you. And that's where trust comes in, doesn't it? That's where faith comes in. I'm not saying I always get it right. And God knows I can be a pretty complainy child sometimes. And I kind of get the sense I might be in good company here at Crossroads. You know? But Jesus has planted you in this world. He's got a purpose and a plan. But I want you also to notice that By the time you get to verse 38, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is at the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Now, guess what? The enemy has plans also. The enemy has plans also. See, the parable of the wheat and the tares, there is this man who sows his field and he sows wheat and he knows that wheat is going to bear fruit. But while everyone's sleeping, the enemy comes in stealthily, and instead of just letting what was planted, he plants all these tares, right? And so what you have to realize is that not only in this world has God planted his own children, but the enemy has also planted his own children, right? 
So the enemy's got plans also. And he's doing it by stealth. Now here's the thing that I want to tell you, that not only is this true of the world as a whole, but it's also true of your life in particular and mine as well. See, what I realize is that God has got a plan for my life and the enemy has a plan for my life as well. God has a plan for my marriage and the enemy's got a plan for my marriage as well. God has a plan for you in your singleness as he did for me, but the enemy has plans in our singleness as well. God has a plan for you on your job, but the enemy also has a plan for you on your job. God has a plan for you with your lack of job, but the enemy also has a plan for you on your lack of job. God has a plan for you in your retirement and the enemy has a plan for you in your retirement. Now here's the question. Whose plan are you living out right now? Whose plan are you living out right now? Because here's the thing. Just as the man who owns the field, all he wants is for that field to be fruitful. And the enemy of the man who owns the field, all he wants is for that field to be unfruitful. And that is absolutely true for the world as a whole and us in particular. All the enemy wants is for you to be unfruitful in your walk. And he does it by sowing other things in the soil. Instead of it just being the good seed of the word of God, there's all the garbage you got from your parents and all the garbage that our culture tells us and all the things that someone along the way did wrong that keeps you bound and all these different things. And then what happens is is that when the normal course of events go on, all of these things get watered. And what we find in the parable is that the wheat comes up, but also the junk comes up too. And that's true for all of our lives, right? There's fruitful stuff going on and then there's a whole bunch of other junk going on. Listen to what Jesus said to Simon Peter. This is Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, but when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And he, speaking of Jesus, said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. See, Jesus is trying to warn Simon. He's saying, listen, Satan's got a plan for you, Simon. He wants to harvest you like wheat, but I prayed for you. And when you go away, when you come back, strengthen. He's like, he's telling him exactly what's going to happen. And what's Peter's fault? Peter's presumptuous. Peter says, oh, no, 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 come on. I'm ready to die for you, Jesus. And he's like, man, as surely I say to you, you're not going to make it through the next day before denying me. Jesus is This world is broken, evil is in charge, and Satan is doing his best to steal your attention away from Jesus. In today's message, Pastor Daniel encouraged you to strengthen your stand against the enemy. Spend time in the Word, asking Jesus to reveal his truth and his message to you. You still have the choice to follow what you learn or not, but remember, Jesus' way will always be the best decision. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on Jesus is Real Radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus, but I actually believe that there are many of you right now as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Let's go ahead. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life your death on the cross, and your resurrection. 
Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources into your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400, 51400. And we'll get some resources into your hands. Now don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED. S-A-V-E-D to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands and the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will press upon you the importance of knowing there's good and evil in the world. There's a battle going on around you right now that's between heaven and hell and the battle is about you. Though you can't physically see it, you can sense it. God has given you the tools you need to withstand the enemy's advances, though, and they're found in the pages of his word. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series, Legends. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.